In this episode, we look at the new ES refresh, we talk autonomous tech, and we're looking at sales in the US. Welcome to the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Kevin Watts, and I'm joined with uh, Michael Pannone. Hey, Mike. Hey, Kevin. It's been two weeks since our last podcast, and uh, there's been a lot of Lexus news. It seems like everything's really accelerating. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I think it was not even, I don't know, it was like a week after the last podcast, I think. And Lexus loves these like 10 p.m. Sunday night teasers. <laughs> so um, it, it popped up the new ES, and uh, I texted Kevin, and I was like, oh my God, the new ES is coming already. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, so the ES, we didn't actually discuss the March sales earlier, mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to get into that. And also, a uh, big announcement out of Japan is the uh, introduction of an actual production model, autonomous tech from, uh, from Lexus in that country. But let's start with the ES. I mean, they've just released all of the assets for that. Everybody's had a chance to look at it now. We'll just break down the, the differences over the current model, pre-refresh. And so we're looking at a multimedia upgrade with a touchscreen. There's a new dynamic handling package for the F-Sport model. There was a few different changes. They did show in the teaser the new headlights and also the waterfall grill on the standard model has been adjusted. And then there was some color changes. And then most importantly, of course, is the, is the new brake pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about the uh, ES300H F-Sport. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. Of course. So... Let's just start on the outside. Let's just talk about the standard uh, adjustments. Not a lot of changes to the exterior. Not a lot. You're right. I agree. And so when Lexus uh, showed the teaser video, they did also provide a teaser of the headlight. And I, did you notice that the head, the new headlight looks a lot like the new NX headlights? Right. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're really similar. And, and I saw somebody on the forum made the point that those little projectors like Lexus obviously must have bought a million of them because they all, you know, kind of look the same in headlight construction. Mm -hmm. But I thought it's a little bit cleaner, which I like. But the the current ES kind of has those little surrounds on each of the projectors right now. And they're sort of like an oblong shape. Right. So I like the new headlight. I also thought, though, that some of the details were kind of swept away for the sake of simplicity. So I don't know. It's not good or bad. It's just whatever you prefer, I guess. Yeah. The adjustments to the standard waterfall grill. I was really hoping that they would uh, move in the direction of the new NX uh, or maybe draw some inspiration from the new IS uh, front grill. I was really just expecting them to kind of go in a different direction. I mean, the waterfall grill is so, I don't know. It seemed, it feels like classic Lexus. I don't know if that's why they adopted it in the first place, but it is definitely a de departure from every other model that they have. I have a theory on this. I don't know if you want to hear it. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, obviously as a Lexus enthusiast, I have to say that there are a lot of times when I see an LS in traffic and I can't tell if it's an LS or an ES at first glance. And oh my gosh, yes. I'm like I'm the person who could tell you just from a headlight that goes by you at night exactly what model it is of what make. But for some reason, these two cars to me, something about them looks so much alike that I wonder if the more vertical waterfall grill is what helps put a little bit of space between the ES and the LS. Yeah, very similar in, in the way that they look. 
And I also have the same sort of uh, experience out there when I see an ES, I think, oh, is, is that an LS or is that an mm-hmm. ES? And if you need to be able to see it from the front to be able to tell, I think that there needs to be a little bit more differentiation overall. But in terms of exterior, not a lot of changes. I think that when a car company or Lexus goes into a refresh like this, they have a specific budget in terms of resources that they will allocate. And I feel like a lot of that went into the interior. The new touchscreen is probably the best integrated uh, retrofit of a touchscreen that Lexus has done so far. You know, since the introduction of the, I believe the RX was the first refresh to get the new touchscreen and it was followed by the LS. LCIS was also a bit of a retrofit. I feel like they may have designed the ES in a way that allowed for a better integration for a touchscreen. I don't know if mm-hmm. they were considering moving to that as they designed the ES originally, but it just doesn't have that kind of awkwardness that I associate with these kind of after the fact tech upgrades. Yeah. And it also looks a lot better integrated than the LS for mm-hmm. sure. Um, the RX, they did a pretty good job. The LS, I know a lot of people, myself included, are not huge fans of the integration of just literally setting a tablet on the dash. But yeah, I think they did a good job. I think you're right. I mean, some of us, you know, could have expected, maybe I'll say I was expecting a little more, maybe. But I also have to say that I come at that from an enthusiast perspective. So I think I looked at it thinking the GS is now officially gone. They have shown us a direct four all-wheel drive prototype based on the ES. So maybe they'll give us something really cool like, who knows, an ES400 F-Sport. I don't know, or ES F Sport performance or something with direct four. I know it's a pipe dream, but yeah, I think I I was kind of thinking, okay, now that the GS is gone, this is the opportunity to elevate the ES a little bit, which I don't think necessarily happened. I think they kind of doubled down on the strengths of the ES. So the other thing too, is if you look at the state of the market, we're still coming out of a pandemic and we'll talk about that. Are are we? I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that more on the, with, when we get to the not in Canada, figures. right? Um, <laughs> anyway, I think that what we saw was they they doubled down on what they're good at, right? So you know they refreshed a couple of things. They brought the center stack closer. They added the ES hybrid with F Sport option, and that's probably about as much as they needed to do. And I think. Also, considering that sedan sales are still falling, I mean, the ES continues to kind of be, if you're an enthusiast, the ES is probably your least favorite car in the Lexus lineup, potentially, but I think it's really hard to undersell Lexus brilliance with the ES and knowing the audience, the right product at the right time, (laughs) the right way. So I think this is kind of a continuation of that. My assertion has always been that the ES in all of its generations is probably the perfect car for, you know, 60% of the population, 70% Mm -hmm. of the population. But then at the same time, this was before the move to uh, crossovers and everything. But I feel that the car on a whole has always really buoyed up the the rest of uh, the lineup, allowed them to do other things. Agreed. It really does. And I agree with you. I did think that they would move more towards a full on GS replacement. But at the same time, I think we've been spoiled in terms of the IS upgrade was significant. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then we have the LFZ, everything about that. I still am marveling at that uh, reveal and at that launch. Mm-hmm. So I feel like our expectations have been heightened and that the ES, like refreshes are just not for major upgrades. Honestly, the exterior of the 
they nailed the the exterior of the ES. Yeah, it's nice. It is nice. And it's like I'm sitting here looking at pictures of the the 2022 F Sport. It looks great. I mean, we were I was talking before about the headlights, but I think that, you know, the simple headlights and the dark housing and the three projectors and the integrated LED with the F Sport car, it looks great. It does really look nice. And I think that this allows them to start thinking about the future, like the next eighth generation ES, Mm -hmm. all bets are off, you know, in terms of what they're going to be able to achieve with that. I think you're right. I agree with you that I think probably any big changes are going to have to happen next generation. And I think, do you remember when you and I started hearing some rumors right before the ES250 all-wheel drive came out that the GS cancellation was kind of late term? Uh, from a product perspective. So they were able to like seeing the writing on the wall early on at the, so I think if you consider that maybe the GS was canceled late term, I think that makes a lot of sense when you look at the ES250 all wheel drive, because it's logical in my opinion to assume that Lexus would have either done an ES300H with all wheel drive, which they have a system for, or an ES350 all wheel drive for North America and some of the other markets where the larger engines kind of the default. Right. So I think that you're right. I mean, I, you know, they've probably in, in TNGA and GAK was a big enough change for the ES to begin with. So I think that it probably won't be until the next generation that we see some of those big changes that may really elevate the car, but I think they're going to happen. I think that we'll probably see it starting with the new RX, whatever probably happens with the new RX will follow shortly thereafter on an all new ES is my assumption. I did like the addition of the ES 300 HF Sport. I've always been a fan of the hybrid F Sports. I feel as though it's the ultimate in terms of trim levels and mm-hmm. tech levels. You know, in Europe, that's all they sell is the hybrids. Right. So they've had hybrid F Sports there for five, 10 years. Right. So I, I am excited to see that coming. I still would really like to see an IS hybrid. Agreed. Yeah. You know, Agreed. down the line. But I mean, what is the future of the IS? That's a <laughs> that's a loaded question all on its own. Right. But at the same time, I think that's a that's a good introduction. I think it allows for them to really boost up the sales of of their high end uh, ES package. And I think when we when we talk about sales in the future, and I'm very, very guilty of this, but you you and I both come from the perspective of let's fill the shoes of the GS and let's make a performance sedan and let's elevate the ES. The reality is, I mean, you can make the argument that it was Lexus fault or just, you know, buyers didn't respond to it, but the GS ended up not really performing that well. So no, it's actually my, I mean, it was my favorite Lexus, as I told you guys. So I hate that it's not here anymore, but I think that the brilliance of the ES, it's not a front wheel drive sedan is not necessarily my favorite thing at the end of the day. But when you go and you look at something like the new E-Class or the 5 Series and even the A6, you're looking at around like sixty-five dollars to $72,000 for a midsize sedan that in a lot of occasions has a turbocharged four cylinder, which is fine. Yeah. But to get the same level of tech and luxury that you get in an ES is going to cost you 20-ish thousand more dollars. Oh yeah. If not the more spread between cars them is, is huge. Yeah. So, and I actually, about a year and a half ago, I went shopping with a family friend who is, you know, just in that position of she's in sales. So she's like, I need something that's nice and comfortable for clients. 
and easy to drive. And that was probably the first time that I spent a lot of time in the new ES. And I mean, the interior is really nice. I mean, I'm not 100% sold on the design of the dashboard, but right. the wood and the leather and the audio system and the way it drives and how quiet it is, like unless you're a person who really, really, really has to have rear wheel drive, which I generally would say that I am, mm -hmm. it's really hard to qualify 20,000 extra dollars, 20,000, 25,000 more dollars for a five series or an E-Class. So I really sit here and in a sense, it's like I have to kind of respect the ES for what it is and what Lexus has done with it. And I, what I, the way I break it down to people when I talk about it is it's really everything you need and nothing you don't. So, you know, on, on a five series, you can get more features. You can get massaging rear seats and, you know, custom LED lighting around the interior and things like that. To me, the sum of those things isn't worth 20 or 25,000 more dollars. So no, absolutely. Looking at this car again, I feel like, you know, Lexus kind of nipped and tucked and improved some of the things to make the ES great for that audience. And it continues to be great. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see what they do next generation. I think that it probably will be the ES formula. I think there will be a front wheel drive version. I think there will be hybrids, but I also think we could see them end up doing like a direct four or a powerful hybrid that comes in at like 350 or 370 horsepower because why not? But I think that the core ES formula will still stick. Oh, so you don't see them moving towards a more performance oriented. Like if they went all wheel drive, they could essentially move into the A6 uh, category. You don't see them doing that? I don't, I don't think so. And I mean, I don't, like, I don't know if there's necessarily a reason for them to do it. And I guess I say that because, I mean, you can still get the A6 with front wheel drive. Right. Of um, course, yeah. You know, like if you really look at it and, and I think value is part of it too. I bring up the price of the E-Class and the 5 Series because I remember it feels like it wasn't that long ago that those cars were like $43,000, $45,000. And part of it is the options and the things you can get on them that you can't get on the ES, but that, that's an incredible amount of money. I mean, it's it's you're talking about $70,000 for a midsize luxury sedan, which on one hand, we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's all right. But on the other hand, you're also like, how many people really have $70,000 to drop on a car like that when they could drop 45 or 48 on an ES? Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think Lexus, I think Lexus knows that. So I think that especially with TNGA and better platforms, like more rigidity and things like that. I mean, these cars, yeah, they're front wheel drive, but they drive very well. And I know that because we have one that we drive every day. So, right. you know, it's, it's not the case of front wheel drive is like sloppy and you immediately feel like you're taking a downgrade. Like even the products like the ES, they feel great. Like they're nice to drive. I mean, yeah, if you mash the throttle from a dig in the rain yeah the front tires are going to scrap for traction right but it's a nice car and i mean i say that as someone who primarily likes rear wheel drive cars we've had an ls a gs and an is but i do really think that lexus knows that the formula works so i think they'll stick to it but i do i think you're right that there will be a little something at the top end like they might you know there might be a bigger engine or a bigger hybrid or a you know hybrid plus the direct for for all-wheel drive i don't know we'll see but i think that the formula works my problem with the es and it comes down to the es and the gs and everything like that is that I don't own a dealership and I don't care about sales and I would have preferred for them to have chosen the GS over the ES just from a, almost a, a purity sense mm -hmm. of going with the standard entry level, midsize, full size sort of spectrum. Mm -hmm. But you can't ever discount 
what business would decide to cancel their best-selling car for purity? Like that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's just not going to happen. Exactly. You know, it was really difficult when Toyota announced the new Mirai. Yeah. (laughs) I found that to be in some way, shape or form, the next generation GS as it stood. Mm -hmm. But it is what it is. I mean, to have introduced a GS with a fuel cell powertrain uh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a kick in the teeth. Yeah, it is. It's true. And I, you know, again, I go back to the fact, even as somebody who's a rear wheel drive purist, like I love rear wheel drive cars in the age of the new technology that we have for all wheel drive systems, like direct four in batteries, it's kind of become the great equalizer. Like Audi's been doing it for a while with the a six. Nobody complains about that car being based on a front wheel drive platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, if if they, like, let's say that the next ES comes and there's a turbocharged, you know, four cylinder hybrid and on the F sport, you can pair it with direct four and it makes 375 horsepower and it has a torque splitting all wheel drive system that can behave like rear wheel drive. Are you going to miss the GS? No. Right. Plus you're, you're starting off with, uh, ES prices. Exactly. Agreed. And then the other thing with the new 2022 ES is the introduction of a dynamic handling package for the F-Sport. It's a little bit confusing because as far as I know, the current ES all has everything that the dynamic handling package already has. My sense of this is that they're looking to break down the ES F-Sport into two distinct packages, perhaps having more of an appearance package and then having this optional dynamic handling package yeah i agree with you when when we saw that part i was looking at it because i remember looking at es's uh like i said with a friend who was shopping and i'm i thought that they had adaptive variable suspension so i looked it up and they do uh, it's this and it's kind of the same thing 650 levels of adjustment based on g load vehicle speed steering angle blah 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 so i think you're right it doesn't seem to me like it's actually that new of a kind of feature for the ES, but maybe the way that they're packaging it and talking about it is different. Right. And one other thing they're talking about, we have to talk about, we have to talk about this new uh, brake pedal uh, because the oh, amount man. of yeah. information about this brake pedal is astounding. And you know what? It's classic, classic Lexus. Mm-hmm. A lo- like as hilarious as it may be, I would love a full press release just on this brake pedal. And I mean, we've already seen a video with the brake pedal. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you watched that. It's it's funny. It's almost like old school Lexus in a way of obsessing over those really little details, but that actually, you know, all add up to making an incredible car. But yeah, the amount of attention that the brake pedal got in the press release and press materials was pretty funny. There is, with the good comes the bad. They have discontinued Atomic Silver on the ES, along with uh, Silver Lining and nebula gray they've replaced them with iridium and cloudburst gray which are two colors i believe are on the new is but to discontinue atomic silver on on any lexus is is a bit of a head scratcher yeah that kind of surprised me um i don't feel like atomic silver has been around that long lexus tends to discontinue colors after they've had a pretty good run and they want to refresh it for something else Mm -hmm. i haven't heard anybody complain about atomic silver (laughs) so i'm surprised that it didn't make the cut i I love that color i really love that color actually well that's the color that i had on my uh, is i mean Mm -hmm. that was 
the only option. Well, other than I didn't want to, with the IS, I didn't want an F Sport package. I would have went with Ultra White, which is my uh, current favorite Lexus color. But mm -hmm. uh, Atomic Silver, I mean, the the depth of it, the the range of color, just really surprising. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is I know that it was a three stage paint process. Mm -hmm. You know, similar to the infrared and uh, the ultrasonic blue. It was definitely on the same level as those in terms of the process of, of making a car in that color. Yeah. So I don't know if they're just getting rid of it as um, in terms of a value, but I don't know why they couldn't have added it as a optional $500, $1,000 color option. I think every every brand has a couple of colors that people from other brands love and wish that they could get on their car. And I've always seen Atomic Silver mentioned as one of those, like in some of the BMW groups and Mercedes groups. Like I've seen a couple people mention, man, that Lexus Atomic Silver is a killer color. Yeah. And I mean, people love it. So um, like you, I'm surprised it's gone. And I guess the last thing with the ES refresh is uh, that they've upgraded the safety system to uh, 2.5 uh, standard across all trim. So with that, you know, it comes with everything, but I believe that there's an enhancement to the uh, cameras, which allow for a longer range in terms of being able to pick up other vehicles. Yep. There, there is and an the update. Intersection yeah. turning assist. Intersection <laughs> yeah. turning assist. So let me just read right off of the press release here. And at intersections, the system has the capability under certain conditions to recognize an oncoming vehicle while performing a left-hand turn. So essentially this is like, what does it call it? Rear parking assist for turning. Oh yeah, with rear cross traffic. Yeah, alert. rear cross yeah. traffic alert. I mean, those are the kind of technologies that you would get used to very fast. It's one of those things like if you get into a car and it doesn't have blind spot monitoring, it doesn't have any sensors. You feel in it, paralyzed. You feel <laughs> Yeah, it's actually almost frightening in terms of right. how you you learn to depend on these uh technologies. So I, you know, we couldn't have picked a better segue into talking about this uh, new autonomous tech that they've introduced in Japan. You want to break that down for us? Lexus introduced, or I should say Lexus introduced one and Toyota introduced one, but there's two new vehicles that are coming out in the Japanese market with what's called advanced drive. And we've heard Lexus talk about the mobility teammate concept a couple different times mm -hmm. now. I think that's been happening for a year and a half or two. So it has now come to production as advanced drive. And I will just lay it out there. It's not the same as Tesla's autopilot. And I think that's perfectly okay. When I was reading through the release and some of the technology, I think what struck me was the Lexusness of it. I think it's definitely a step forward. There's a bunch of useful features in here that people will appreciate in day-to-day in -day ownership. It's not some sort of fully automated the car takes over and drives. Um, and in fact, there's a couple different points in the press release where Lexus specifically says that it's under the direction and supervision of the driver. They kind of sprinkle that point in here throughout to make sure that it's noted, I think. <laughs> so, and I think the other thing that was interesting is it specifically notes that it's pretty much for highway driving, right. if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. 
hold on, let me pull this up. So here it is. It says, um, and I'm reading this directly from what was released, but it says advanced drive is the system that assists driving when driving on an expressway or other motor vehicle only roadway. By setting the destination in the navigation system, the onboard system will appropriately detect the situation, make decisions, and assist driving under the driver's supervision according to actual traffic conditions. It can keep the vehicle in its lane, maintain the distance from other vehicles, navigate a split lane, change lanes, and overtake other vehicles until leaving the roadway for the destination. So when we talk about, you know, it, it being a little different than autopilot from, you know, Tesla, I think that what we're looking at here is, I think Lexus is slowly approaching the world of automated driving and what people expect and what level of risk people are willing to take, but also Lexus is willing to take. Mm-hmm. Probably for most of us, highway is driving is when you tend to get tired or get fatigued or things like that. So having these technologies, people centric driving assist and accident prevention and things like that, the, the split lane, advanced park, all those things. I think that it's it's a it's a level up from what you were just talking about with the ES with Lexus Safety Sense 2.5. To me, it comes across as a logical evolution of automated driving. You know, we're not at a place of fully automated autopilot-esque driving either. Well, yeah, really, Lexus has always maintained that it needs to be a partnership between the vehicle and the driver. All of the technology that they've introduced has always been about augmenting the driver rather than replacing him. Yep, good point. You know, the, the funny thing is, and I've experienced this, I've in two different trips to Japan, I was able to get a test drives in prototypes of this technology. And it's really amazing in, its, in how mundane it is. It really does feel, and they do use this a lot in terms of the way they describe it, is like a chauffeur. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a person obviously sitting in the in the driver's seat and then would remove their hands and the car would pass and... They had uh, they had done it on a highway outside of Tokyo, and it was able to you know navigate the whole the whole experience. But at the same time, it if it had been a driver, I wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. I feel like this kind of technology is relevant as a technology. It feels like something that should always exist. It's a quality of life improvement. Yeah. The reason point. why they've only been able to introduce this in Japan is that it relies a lot on maps. So what they did in Japan is they went out and they mapped all of the highways using uh, scanning technology so that it would be able to identify every curve. So it is a bit of that in it as well. It's more intelligent in that regard, the way that it's able to know the elevation of the road and and be able to do all of that kind of stuff. And that's why it is limited to Japan, because they do not have access to that kind of mapping here in in north america yeah that's a good point it can it does specifically say in here that like the destination has to be put into the navigation system and things like that right it's a it's like it's a very cool evolution of like we said lexus safety sense and i'm excited to see how something like this is kind of built upon for the future and with that in mind they also did specifically put in here a couple different times that the system will take over the air updates. So Mm -hmm. um, in the future, the software could be changed and updated and the capability as we know it could change, which is cool. Well, I mean, that is such a huge part of the Tesla ownership experience is the upgrades that happen overnight. Yeah, so this is pretty technical. I think that if you're really interested in this, and particularly if you live in Japan and you're interested in this, you know, we have all of this information on the site, videos of how it works. Definitely go check that out if you need more info. 
it's very technical. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I know that in, in the in the age of Tesla and autopilot, a lot of people love to specifically break these features down, how they work, what they do and what they don't do. So mm -hmm. if if that's your thing and you enjoy that, then definitely check it out uh, on LexusEnthusiast.com. What's uh, what's your feeling on uh, autonomous driving? I think it seemed like a crazy sci-fi idea a couple of years ago, but I, I think we've probably all been in the position of a road trip where you get tired or you're driving at night and you get kind of tired. So I, I, I definitely see the use case for it. I see where being able to let the car do some of the driving and take you know the burden of it off of you. And, and then Lexus has also... I think been great in proactively illustrating the value for this type of technology from a safety perspective mm -hmm. and just instead of just from like a you know a techie cool perspective so for example some of the lexus systems have the functionality that if there's no driver input or the driver is not detected there's of course a series of warnings and things like that but the car will automatically pull itself over put the flashers on and unlock the doors so yeah in case something has actually happened yeah exactly so there's I don't have any sort of active safety systems on the car that I have right now, but I can see where in a future state there's real value in these things. And I look forward, honestly, to having something where, you know, going on a couple hour road trip, you know, you can sort of set it and forget it in a sense, as long as you're still engaged as a driver. I have to say that I do view vehicles as appliances. <laughs> it's I like that aspect of them. I like the home away from home aspect of a vehicle. Mm -hmm. Those are the, really the things that engage me as an enthusiast, uh, which is hilarious because it's fairly dull. And I do like the idea of this. I think that in terms of reclaiming personal time, uh, reducing mental load, it allows you to kind of think about other things than driving. And the way that people drive now is just 100% bonkers. Agreed. You really have to be very vigilant in your driving. And, and I mean, the systems that they have already do reduce a lot of that workload, but it has become such a taxing experience to drive mm -hmm. that anything that kind of reduces that, I have to think it, it has to be a, a number one priority for any auto manufacturer. I totally agree with that. And I think it's also such a Lexus thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like the little details that help make the drive easier and better and more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. So Kevin, you were mentioning before that part of what works so well about advanced drive in the Japanese market is that, you know, they have all of their roads so well documented in the highway system and things like that. When do you think we will see something like advanced drive here in the States? Or here in North America? Oh, geez. I don't know. You got to figure that it's going to be a while for sure. 20, 25, maybe. But, you know, speaking of North America, <laughs> let's, let's bring it back down yeah. to, uh, to the real numbers here. Right when we uh, released our last podcast, the numbers for uh, March in the U.S. sales were released and they were fantastic. 104% over increased over last year. Now, mind you, last year at this time, people did not know if they were ever going to buy another car. Right. The, the sales were definitely lower than usual. Also, to qualify it, it was the best March for Lexus in the U.S. ever. Yep. And it closed out the second best quarter of all time, which is astounding for Lexus to be able to rebound so strongly 
particularly considering that half of their lineup is sedans yep. and coupes, which is shocking. When when I was looking at the numbers here are pretty crazy. And you even look at some of the typically slower selling models like the LS and the RC, and they're up over 100%. The numbers are, are crazy. And it's really great to see the IS numbers being up 165%. There's been a lot of discussion about what's going to happen with the IS. And there's some people who feel like this current generation of IS, well, I guess the 2021 plus is going to be a bit of a test for Lexus mm-hmm. to see how does it do and how is it received. So if it can keep this momentum, you know, for the next couple of months and maybe even two or three years, I think that'll be awesome. And don't forget too, Kevin, we also published that story that the IS350 F Sport was the second fastest selling vehicle in the month of February in the United States. Second, yes, yeah, second only to the Corvette. So, um, and there was a bunch of people on the forum who also were saying, you know, we're having a hard time finding them, having a hard time getting your hands on one. Yeah. I think also even the car with the dynamic handling package yeah. is harder, hardest to find. It's so crazy when you look back every time an IS has been released, you know, the first generation, the second generation, and now the, this refresh of the third generation, people go crazy for it. And uh, I hope that Lexus sees that and I hope that Lexus invests in it for the future because these numbers are great. The ES also is way up over double you know, the SUVs were crazy. So, you know, you look at the GX, which <laughs> now it's like 12 years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. And they sold almost 3,500 of them. So, well, I've been 13,000 yeah, RXs. Mm-hmm. It's good to be a Lexus dealer right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that this is probably a really big boon for Lexus. I, I'm actually honestly surprised at the numbers. I would never have thought that they would be able to rebound as fast as they did. Mm hmm. But on the strength of even just the IS has been able to boost them. I was a little hesitant at first with this IS. I really was. I felt like there wasn't enough to it. I felt that Mm -hmm. it needed more. The design is fantastic. I, I really do think that they they knocked that right out of the park. The introduction of the IS 500 completely changed my perspective on the IS. It felt yeah. to me like something brazen, something kind of unexpected. And that just hasn't been the case for Lexus yeah. in a little while. Yeah, agreed. Particularly at the mid-range of the lineup. The LS and the LC were both fairly surprising in in their implementation. But we haven't really seen that from a, a mainstream model. And I, I do like that. And I, I think that people have really responded really well to that. I think so too, and I'm sure Lexus knows this, but the IS500 as a statement too, Mm -hmm. we talked about it before, but this is the first new engine for the IS in a while as well, because the turbocharged four-cylinder and the V6 have been around for a while. Mm -hmm. So not only do we have a new engine, we also have a new, you know, naturally aspirated 472 horsepower V8. I mean, the way that the car is built and put together and the way that it was presented and launched says a lot. Mm -hmm. So I'm just glad that the hype is paying off. I I think that this, the the next couple of years of this car are going to be pretty successful. I hope so. Well, I think that as as they get into hands, as, as soon as people can buy them and they mm-hmm. start to propagate across North America and people start to see them, I, I really do think that there will be a, I don't know what you'd call it. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit of like a revival. I mean, yeah. I remember when the ISF first came out and it was like, you know, you, the, the people who used to who used to own, you know, first generation ISs or Civics in the 90s and things like that, like grew up. And now there was really finally a Japanese performance car that they really wanted to own. And I think that the same thing is going to happen with the IS500. So I agree with you. I think that they're probably going to be really popular. I think that the car is going to sell extremely well. And I think it'll be the same type of thing. I think it's going to capture that enthusiast market that Lexus 
Nexus may have lost a little bit since the last ISF, and I mm -hmm. think it's going to be pretty exciting for the brand. Even when you're looking at these numbers, you have to figure that Lexus is going to take a lot of energy from this. This is the first time they've re reported their monthly sales since November 2019, which was before the pandemic. Rough. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a difficult year and a half here for them. And I think that they were really proud of this and, and, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the rest of this year really should be a good one for Lexus when you think about it. The IS was able to hit its stride earlier this year after coming on, I think, in December of last year. So there's the IS. We've been talking about the new ES, and I'm sure there will be an advertising campaign for it. The LS has been refreshed and updated, and we know we're going to have the new NX. And I think you and I agree that we'll probably have a new LX at yeah. some point. So yeah, I think this is going to be a great year for Lexus. It's like, I, I know we mentioned it last time on the podcast, but it's cool to be in a position again where it feels like there's a lot of momentum and a lot happening and a lot to be excited about. You figure that we haven't even discussed the new NX. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of how much news there is in there that we're not even able to get through maybe potentially one of the biggest leaks of, of Lexus right, that's right. ever happened. Yeah, I mean, there's still lots to go through and we definitely have, still have a lot to discuss. Yeah, I agree. So I guess with that in mind, as we've kind of covered the new ES and advanced drive and kind of the state of the market with sales, we've got the new ES materials posted up on the website. If you want to read the full press release or if you want to take a look through the official gallery from Lexus, there's some cool stuff in there with the new colors and the new trims. Be sure to check it out at LexusEnthusiast.com and we will see you back here soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye.